Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will use this city as a tool of witness in the lives of those who are struggling to live godly for you. I pray that it will bring deliverance and set the captive free. Lord, as it goes beyond the prison walls, the highway and byways, that it will compel those to come unto you. Lord, those that are struggling, that they'll begin to live victoriously. And Lord, when that race is over and it is all finished, Lord, they can come unto you and you will say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name. Go to the book of Matthew with me, Matthew 23, 27 through 28. Matthew records what Jesus is saying to a group of people. Yeah, there, there were some religious people, and he was addressing a matter. And he simply says, whoa. Man, when Jesus says, whoa, you better pay attention. He says, woe unto you, scribes, in other words, you lawgivers, and Pharisees, hypocrites. For ye may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisees, cleanse thy first that which is within. Everybody say within within the cup and the platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but the inward is full of dead man's bones and of all uncleanliness. Last verse 28. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within, everybody say within, within. ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Eternal God, we are so thankful and so grateful to you for this day. For again, this is the day that you have made, so we will rejoice and be exceedingly glad in it. Now, Lord, you have gathered, you have assembled, you have placed those that are here today that they can hear a word of God that will forever change their life. You put us here today, God, not just so we could be hearers, but to be doers of your word. And Lord, when your word has gone out and it begins to convict, convince and convert people, Lord, at this day, we will remember, God, it was just Jesus that did it, Lord. And we'll give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. Now, Lord, as for your servant, please strengthen me. Help me, O oh God. And most of all, lend me thine anointing. Because it's through your anointing that yokes are broken. Chains and fetters are destroyed. And when all of these things are said and done, and somebody that's never repented of their sins, nor have ever been baptized in Jesus' name, they will see that today is the day. And God, we will rejoice and be glad with them. Everyone say in Jesus' name. Before you're seated, I just want to read to you the last verse, which was verse number 28. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but inward 
ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. I want to minister to you from the remaining time that I have from the thought inside out. As I have on several occasions, look to a man that is known for his knowledge of words and definitions. So I concur with Marion Webster this morning when he talked about the word inside, inside, an interior or eternal part or place, the part within. Everybody say within. In other words, it's like your thoughts. It's your, your feelings. And as we look at it, inside, there's something that God has made in every man, woman, boy, and girl. That it's, it's innate. It's in you. I, I submit to you that God has made you and designed you with something on the inside calling heart. Inside out refers to that which was within the inner man. In this context, it, it begins to surface or appear on the outside of the man. And in other words, it's what's on the inside of an individual that shows up or manifests on the outside in him or her. In essence, I'm simply saying the Jesus that's on the inside of you, that you say is living in you, should be the same Jesus on the outside that people see. The God that we serve can be viewed as being systematic in the way he deals with man. First of all, he chooses to start from the inside out which begins with the, the heart of a person. That's why I said tell somebody it's a heart thing because that's what he deals with first of all is an individual's heart. You see, it's in the deep-seated issues of our heart that God reveals what's going on. In essence, what lies there is the root cause of many of our struggles. Yeah. Some of us, we put on our happy face when we come to church. We put on that mask, and we just say, oh, everything is good. You know, I love talking to young people. Hey, how are you doing? It's, it's good. Everything is good. I'm saying to myself, everything is good. But we, we put on that face. We put on that facade that everything is everything. I'm good. Don't worry about it. But we've got some struggles going on on the inside. And we just don't want folk to know. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. That's why it's so imperative that we change our thinking. Somebody said, I need to get a new way of thinking. I'm saying we need to change our thinking. You see, it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaketh. I'm in the book. Y'all looking at me like I'm reading a comic. But out of the abundance of the heart, the Bible said that the mouth speaketh and how many of you know that action speaks louder than words that's why you can't just say I love the Lord but it's your actions it's your lifestyle that are the proof or the indicator that your life is totally yielded to Jesus Christ 
Uh, I mean, please, I'm in the house of God. I want to tell the truth and stay in church. Is that all right? So I'm being truthful. People are tired of you telling them about Jesus. They want to see him demonstrated in your life. They want to see it lived out in the life of those who say that I'm a Christian. And did you know that Christian means Christ-like? Now, ask yourself the question, was I being Christ-like <laughs> when I pulled up this morning to Mickey D's and I ordered whatever you order? And they said, sir, it'll be a few minutes. Can you pull up a minute and just wait? And don't forget, now you're a Christian. So you're, you're sitting there and it seems to be in eternity because you late for church you know how we do it i'm gonna stop at mickey d get me something before i get to church and now you're sitting there and they not coming fast enough right about now some of y'all grits is being burnt because y'all like man if they don't hurry I'm, I'm a and all of a sudden they come and this is it brother terry they come and they say well praise the lord pastor haynes how you doing they know me as a christian they know me as the one that's supposed to be leading people and teaching them how to have patience because in your patience. Oh, see, y'all in the book, y'all know it. So as a Christian, they're just wanting to see how you operate and how you demonstrate the love of Jesus. Why even acknowledge him as Lord but not do the things that he requires us to do? Not everyone that says... Unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of God or to the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. In Matthew 23, 25, and 27, the Amplified reads this way. Woe to you, self-righteous scribes, lawgivers, and Pharisees, hypocrites. Anybody know what a hypocrite is? Let me give you the... Gerald Haynes' definition. I, I didn't concur with Marion on this one. A, a hypocrite is somebody that's talking loud and saying nothing. He is that person that tells you, you shouldn't do that. And then the next thing you see them, they tell you, you shouldn't be out there with those scratch offs. And then you just see them walk out the store. <laughs> I got it. $5 winner. You see, uh, We've got to be mindful that we don't be a hypocrite telling folk to do one thing, but we do another. That's my definition. You check with Mary and he'll tell you what it really said. But he, he's saying unto you, whoa, you self-righteous scribes, lawgivers, Pharisees, hypocrites. For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate. Inside, they are full of extortion and robbery and self-indulgence, unrestrained greed. What was happening here was they were very traditional in the way that they followed the law. They made sure when it came to cleaning the dishes, anybody ever had the chores to clean the dishes? Come on, don't be looking at me. You ain't always had a washer. Dishwasher, no, no, no. You, you know you were told to, to clean them dishes. And, and mom had a way of inspecting if it was clean or not. So they were very meticulous in how they cleaned the cup, cleaned the plate. 
But he was saying, you know, you take time in doing that, but there's some other stuff that you're letting go. You, you ought to be mindful of what you're doing, because see, what they were doing back then, and, and I thought to myself, it's kind of not too much different as it is today. The Bible says Jesus Christ is saying today, yesterday, and forever. Back then, they were taking people money, the older people, people that depended on them, and they were extorting them, and they were taking their money and putting it on themselves. So he's bringing to, to light what they were doing. He says, you, you clean the, the outside, but the inside. Boy, I'm going to tell you what. You have never got a whipping until you got a whipping for giving somebody a guest a dirty cup and have particles in there floating around. Boy, I cleaned that cup good. From the outside, all was looking good inside see see they they took time to clean the outside don't forget what i'm saying outside from the inside out sounds like an inside job to me we've got to make sure that we take time he's referring to the temple how, how clean are you on the inside outside you look pretty got your hair straight You're, i don't have to worry about that y'all but anyway you 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 got it I mean, you looked apart and everything. Everybody, oh man, brother, so and so, deacon, so and so, evangelist, oh, wow, bishop. But what about the inside? What's going on in the issues of your heart? Verse 26, he says, You spiritually blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup of the, and of the plate. In other words, examine and change your inner self to conform to God's precepts so that the outside, in other words, your public persona, the life that you live, it's a shame when a man's reputation and character meet one another in the street and don't know one another. Please, get that. Your reputation and your character, they denote who you are. How could your character not know the other? Because you live a double life. And here's, thank you, Jesus, glory, be God. Outside, hey, bro, you got, I got this bag. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's how church folk do it. Inside, you ain't worried about that. I just want the outside to look good. I just want people to think of me a certain way. When the truth be told, you know, I put it this way, to thine own self be true. He says, Take some time, examine yourself. Your public life and deeds may be clean also. So if you take the time to, to do self-examination, you perhaps will come up and be like David. David understood the issue that my heart needs to be clean. He said, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. I want to tell you, there are times when my spirit can get raw. There are times when folk can work your last nerve. <laughs> and the next thing you know, you find yourself out of character. Man, you see, pastor, he blew up on him. Now, see, the thing is, is a thing called grace. We give grace to ourselves all the time. Please forgive me, no. You know, I didn't mean to just, just work with me. Just, you know, I, I'm, I'm growing in grace. I, I'm going to get there. But let me have one time. See, y'all, the saints here know me. My eyebrow raise up. 
Oh, pastor about to go off now. But see, the thing is, we got to understand that what we do affects more than just us. He goes on to verse 27. He says, woe unto you. There he goes again. Self-righteous scribes, lawgivers, and Pharisee hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and every unclean thing. The tradition in that, that goes along with that to, to bring some clarity to it, is that they had a propensity because of the law. The law considered those persons unclean who had touched anything belonging to the dead. You get a chance, you can read it. It's in the book of Numbers, the 16th chapter. And so if you had the misfortune to touch something that was unclean, you had to stay out of the camp, you had to wash. They, they had all of these rituals. And anybody come near, you had to tell them, unclean! So to preclude that from happening, sepulchers were known to house dead people. Sepulchers were therefore often whitewashed. In other words, they would go to the sepulcher and they wash it and it would become white. So from the outside, no Jew would touch it because they knew if they touched it, now they would be in an unclean status. So now these tombs are washed white they look beautiful on the outside you ever been some of these mortuaries and, and some of these places where people have some beautiful things that they had made just for their body to go in the outside looks beautiful but on the inside don't change the fact dead men are inside so that's what they were doing they took time to whitewash it they made a distinction so no jew would touch it by mistake, it looked beautiful from within, though contained these dead bones and bodies that had been corrupted due to being dead. So the Pharisees, their outward conduct appeared well, but their hearts were full of hypocrisy, envy, pride, lust, malice, suitable representing corruption within a whited tomb, inside out. Ask yourself this question. What are you more concerned with, the outer man or the inner man? What are you more concerned with, how somebody perceives you or how you know that you know you really are for God? I tell people this all the time. Glory will tell the story. I'm not trying to run behind nobody and seeing if you're buying a 40 or anything. Mm -mm. If you wanted them, quote unquote drinking saints drink on it seemed like it got quiet in this apostolic time. what am i i know you are those people <laughs> listen as my prayer partner deacon charles withers used to say it's tight but it's right pastor listen at the end of the day what what are you really more concerned with what are you more concerned with you, keep, you see, the inward spiritual condition of a man will manifest itself along with the outward condition. 
Somebody say, it does matter how you look on the outside. Because it's leaving an indicator that there is a life that has truly been changed by the power of God. Real quickly, Mark 5 and 15. And somebody said, where are he going with this one? This is what happened in Mark 5 and 15. Jesus has this encounter with an individual. The Bible says, and they came to Jesus and seeing him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid you see what happened was he had an experience with Jesus that started from the inside and it changed the outside if you read the account this was a man that lived in tombs like we're talking about he didn't care if they were whited he touched them because he was possessed the Bible says he walked around and no man could bind him. They had chains and fetters and no matter how many chains, he would break them. And he'd go around and he'd just terrorize folk. And one day the Bible says prior to this, Jesus and the disciples were coming from a place and Jesus told them to get in the ship. We're going across to the other side. Somebody said stuff happens on the other side. He knew that that young man was going to be there. So nothing was going to prevent Jesus from being there. You know, a storm arose. He was at the bow of the boat. They woke him. Jesus, don't you care that we're about to drown? Basically, modern-day vernacular, chill. I got this. He got up, spoke to the sea, said, peace, be still. The sea stopped. Why? Because he was on an assignment. He had to get to the other side. As soon as the boat docked, the young man that was possessed looked, and he saw him. He comes to him and says, Jesus, isn't something demons know Jesus? And he said, why have you come to torment me? Jesus looked at the young man. He said, listen, there's a herd of swines. There's a herd of swines over there. Allow me to go into. Why them? The Bible said because he called his name Legion, meaning he had many demons. But see, when you have a true encounter with Jesus and he starts working from the inside out, things begin to happen. Now, all of a sudden, this man that was wild, this man that was crazy, this man that was considered a lunatic, when they see him next, he's sitting there very passively in peace because now he has the peace of God that passeth all understanding. It's keeping his heart in his mind. And so he's sitting there calm. Somebody said, wait a minute. Is that the young man that was put? That's him. You see, when Jesus starts working from the inside out, things begin to happen. Jesus has always decided that I'm going to use that person, but I've got to get something straight in them. I've got to let them know that I'm real. You see, when Jesus starts dealing with a heart, when he starts moving on a heart, he begins to speak to you. The Bible says that he can speak in a still, small voice, and he can begin to call you. You're sitting there minding your business. But the word of God is moving. It's convicting. It's convincing. And you actually hear him. You say, why, why did you go? Because he was calling me. What, what made this time any different? Because he was calling me. He was telling me it was my time to come. You see, some of us, we take that voice and we drown it out. You know, like those kids. That's what we do. Harden not your heart as they did in the day of provocation. 
if Jesus is calling you right now, letting you know, listen, there's some issues of your heart, some stuff you've been carrying around, and I'm ready to take it. The scripture says to cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Why are you carrying around baggage that you know too heavy for you? It's weighing you down. It's causing you to just faint under the load. Let me leave you with this application because I believe there's some of you may not believe that he works from the inside out. There was a young man that God had called, like I said, that individual that might say, I responded because he called me. He was calling me. Israel had already had a king. His name was Saul. But Saul did some things that displeased the Lord. So God said, I'm going to replace him. He told the prophet Samuel, I want you to go to the house of Jesse. And there I have chosen a king. Somebody say, God does the choosing. You, does, you don't choose him. He chooses you. And he said, but if I go, Saul will find out and he'll kill me. He said, no, go under the auspices that you're going to make an offering. So he goes there, he finds Jesse. They look at him and say, are you coming in peace? Yes, I'm coming in peace. We, will, we want to make an offering. Where's your sons? Jesse had seven sons. And because of the nature of people, just how we are, we look on the outside of an individual. Jesse had some sons that were, I mean, we modern day vernacular, they were chiseled out. Man, they had biceps upon triceps. I mean, you name it, they, that's what they looked like. They were strong. Send the first one there, he looked at him. Samuel said, that's him, that's the one. God said, mm -mm, that's not the one. You Bible scholars know if I said he had seven, I'm not going to go through all seven of them, but I'm going to go to the last one. But before he got to the last one, they had made up in their mind, the man of God had made up in their mind, this is the one. This got to be him. Look how tall he is. Look how handsome he is. Look how strong he is. He said, man looketh on the outside, <laughs> but God looketh on the inside. See, inside out. Sounds like an inside job to me. He looks at him. He says, now, do you have any more sons? Oh, yeah, I got a youngest one here out there with them sheep. He said, go get him. We won't sit down until he come. The Bible said that David comes in. He's young, ruddy in appearance, easy on the eyes, girls. He steps in there. He said, the Lord told him, that's the one. Now, just in case I have some of you Bible scholars that know the life of David and you're, you're sitting there, how in the world could he have chosen David? David, out of all of the brothers, the youngest, and I might add, the one that's going to really mess up in life. Anybody in here ever messed up? No, see, y'all y'all real slow on that. How, how come we always can talk about other people's faults? We can look at them and size them up and say all what they aren't. But when it comes to us, when we look at David's life, we do a chronicle of David's life. David started out good. He's David of David and Goliath fame. He slew a giant that's over nine feet tall. Cha-ching! That got him some points. He became king of Israel and was mighty in battle. Cha-ching! He also brought Israel to a level that they never had been before. Turn to somebody and say, watch out. A lot of times when we are being blessed like that, we tend to let down our guards. We tend to stop doing all the things that it took for us to get where we are. You know how we used to really pray. 
I mean, we could pray. Nobody, we didn't have to have a time for prayer. We would be at the altar crying out to God. But now, so to say, we're stepping in high cotton, riding in the lack from Blueberry Hill. Isn't it something that prosperity, if we don't watch it, we buy into it. We begin to think that we're more than what we really are. You know what happened? David is now king. He is now the man. Saul is no longer in the picture. The Bible says when kings should be out fighting, David finds himself on the rooftop looking down. And when he looked down, he saw a beautiful woman by the name of Bathsheba. She was bathing. Hello. We don't bathe with a bathing suit on. She was in her birthday suit, and he was looking. He got an eye full. Let me tell you something about lust. Lust will lead you right in to sin. Lust will cause you to imagine, to visualize, and then you act upon it. He sat there, and he looked at her, and probably in his mind, he said, wow, this is the one. So he sent one of his servants and says, listen, Go to her. The king summoned her. She came. He saw. He conquered. And he sent her home. The Bible says later on he got word that she was with child. She was married. Her husband was Uriah, mighty man of valor, out there fighting for the king. David said, listen, whew, I messed up now. How can I cover my track? You know how we do it. When we out there in sin, we try to cover it up. Nobody's going to know about this one. Didn't I tell you darkness is as day into, with God? You can't hide from God. So you know what he did? He said, I got a plan. Send me Uriah. Bring Uriah out of the field. I'm going to have him go home. First he comes to David's house. King, what is it you want? Man, you've been doing such a good job out there. Go ahead home and enjoy your wife. Uriah, David said, okay, let's have a drink. Let's have another drink. Got him good. Got him good and, oh boy, I'm feeling pretty good about now. He went on home. He laid right at the door, never went in. David's now, his plan is all shot to pieces. So he said, tell Uriah to come back. Gives Uriah a note. Says, here, give this to the captain when you get there. Faithful man of God never once cracked the seal to see what was in the note. In the note, and I'm quite sure you Bible scholars remember, he had his own death warrant in the note. It says, I want you to put Uriah in the heat of the battle. And when the battle gets hot and raging and arrows are flying and swords, I want you to back off and leave him right there. And that's exactly what happened. He died. Somebody said, from the inside out. God said, I chose that man. You know what he also said? David is a man after my own heart. So you know what that tells me? Even there are times where you could be anointed, appointed, and chosen to do something, and you could still mess up. David gets word, king, it happened just like you told us. Uriah is dead. He went, he has Bathsheba as his wife, that child. Something's wrong with it from birth. He prays, he cries, he fasts. None of that changed it. But I want you to remember, God works from the inside this was an inside job. God knew, because don't forget, he's omniscient. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the ending. He knows it all. So your slip up, your mess up, it don't surprise God. I'm not licensing anybody to go out and do something crazy. 
Please don't, don't misrepresent what I'm saying. I'm simply saying to you that God is working right now in somebody's life from the inside out and you don't know what God is going to do eventually in their life. You don't know. They may have messed up, but God says, you know what? That's just an opportunity for me to show the world of my mercy. God is working even now in somebody's life right now in this place. You wondered why. You wondered how could it be? You wondered, Lord, if this is the case, why am I going through what I'm going through? I'm telling you why. Because he's working some stuff out of you. Some stuff that he can't use. And to be quite frank, it's some stuff that you're not willing to give him. And don't worry, he, he won't bother you. The Jesus I serve is a gentleman. He's not going to make you come up to this altar. He's not going to make you confess your sins. He's not going to make you live for him. If you do it, it will be cause you know that God is calling. He's calling me out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's calling me to come out of a lifestyle that's not pleasing to him. See, the Bible says he wishes that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But that doesn't mean that he's going to force you. Thank you, Father. I got to give you thanks. Because, Lord, everything that you have done, I didn't look at it now. I thank you, Lord, for the release of every chain. Everywhere I go, God, I got to give you praise because you have heard my cry. We have been smothered by the grace of God and it has brought us joy. Therefore, Lord, we was able to make a joyful noise in this city. We have learned to forgive and with that in mind, God, I just can't stop praising you. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise.